find some seats so we can get started. I'm sure that we'll be joined by some more people a little bit later. Um, so we want to welcome you to District 5's Candidate Forum. It's sponsored by the Glenview Neighborhood Association, the Diamond Improvement Association, and facilitated by the League of Women Voters. Um, it took a great deal of planning. I really appreciate your being here because it took a great deal of planning to set this up and we just couldn't cancel it. So we're again hoping other people will come later. Okay. But we appreciate your making the effort to get here. <laughs> um, a little housekeeping before we get started. Um, there are a number of different restrooms. If someone needs, rather than try and give you directions, if someone needs the restroom, you'll just go to the back to the lobby. Someone will direct you to an appropriate location. Um, the church rarely opens the sanctuary for public meetings. And so we ask you, and, and I can see all of you, <laughs> I know you'll respect the church and leave it the way you found it. Um, there's no food or drinking um, in the build, in, in the sanctuary, but uh, other than water, and we have lots of water, it gets hot in here, we have lots of water out there for you. Um, please leave the room the way you found it. There's no smoking at all on the premises. That means not in patio or parking lot. So please walk on out to the sidewalk if you have to have a cigarette. Um, again, thank you for coming. Hmm? Speak, to the mic. Speak to the mic. I'm not used to a mic. I'm sorry. <laughs> Any, anyway, um, thank you for coming, and I'll turn this over to you now. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being here tonight with us. This is September 26. 2016. Welcome to the League of Women Voters and Glenview Neighborhood Association and Diamond Neighborhood or Diamond Improvement Association Candidate Forum. Tonight we're going to have two forums. One for Oakland Unified School Board District 5 and also for Oakland City Council District 5. My name is Moni Flores Bauer. I'm with the League of Women Voters of Oakland. The League of Women Voters is a trusted membership organization that encourages informed and active participation in government. We do not endorse or support or oppose candidates or political parties. The League participates in issue advocacy and voter education. The advocacy arm of the League may take positions on issues such as ballot measures. This forum is presented by our education arm, which does not take positions or advocate for any. I'd like to remind everyone that the candidates, the Diamond Improvement Association and the Glenview Neighborhood Association all have agreed to participate under the guidelines set for this forum. The guidelines are also posted here tonight at this, um, in this room. As a matter of courtesy, we ask you all to turn off your electric, electronic devices Please be aware that campaign literature or other forms of campaigning, such as buttons and t-shirts, fly, flyers or signs, are not permitted in the room in order to maintain neutrality. 
We're videotaping tonight's forum, and the session will be available on the League's YouTube channel for broader community access. You can find the links to our YouTube channel on lwvoakland.org or through votersedge.org forward slash CA. So we have two forums, as I mentioned tonight. The first will be for the position of District 5 Director on the Oakland Unified School Board. There are four candidates running for this position. They are Mike Hutchison, Roseanne Torres, Hubert Trenado. And Mr. Michael Hasid was unable to attend tonight due to a family emergency. The second forum we're gonna to have tonight follows this and it'll be for the position of city council representing District 5. And there are two candidates running for that position, Noel Gallo and Viola Gonzalez. Let's go over a few ground rules. Each candidate has one and a half minutes for opening remarks. The order was determined by drawing lots and the order is the way you see the table set up here. Mr. Hutchinson will be going first. The timekeepers in the front row here will be signaling the candidates with colored signs, 30 seconds, and then a sign for stop. As audience members arrived here this evening, our volunteers provided cards for you to submit written questions. The questions will be screened to avoid duplication and personal attacks. The order of answering questions will be alternated and each candidate will have one minute to respond to each question. Again, timekeepers will be signaling the candidates. There will be no separate rebuttals. However, candidates may choose to use some or all of their one minute to respond to the, re to the last response given by another candidate. Following the questions, each candidate shall have one and a half minutes for a closing statement. So let's begin with our first forum for Oakland School Board member District 5. And the first candidate to provide an opening statement will be Mr. Hutchison. Hello, thank you for having me here today. My name is Mike Hutchinson, and I'm very proud to say that I was born, raised, and educated here in Oakland, California. My family has lived at the top of Edgewood here in Glenview in District 5 for over 30 years and I've spent my whole life living in District 5, except for the time that I spent living in the dorms at UC Berkeley. My family's always been very engaged and involved with what's happened in Oakland Public Schools. My mom was a kindergarten teacher for 40 years here. My father worked for Peralta Colleges as an instructor for over 20 years. Uh, I myself, after uh, a failed attempt at a music career, spent the last 25 years working with our youth and in our schools. In the 2011-2012 school year, I became even more deeply involved when two of the schools that I was working at, Santa Fe Elementary and Maxwell Park Elementary, were both slated for closure. And unfortunately, at the end of the 2012 school year, they were closed. I've spent basically my time in the last four to five years trying to stop this trend from happening to other schools and, and to change the trajectory that our school district is on. I think we can do a lot better if we really invest in our own and really respect some of the traditions that we, that a lot of us have put blood, sweat, and tears into building and the legacy that we've created here in this city. I really want to see us have a more authentic community engagement process. I want us to reprioritize the budget to direct more money towards the classroom. And I really want to end the privatization that seems to be running rampant across our city. Again, I'm Mike Hutchinson, and hopefully I can earn your vote this year. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mr. Trenado. Good evening, everyone. My name is Hubert Trenado, and I am a public school 
school teacher here in Oakland. I teach at the Zero Charter Academy. Um, and I'm also a product of OUSC schools. I went through OUSC schools K through 12. I went to Manzanita Elementary, and then I went to Ascend, and then I went to Midwest High School. Um, and I'm blessed, and I uh, sit here because of my education here in Oakland. I was uh, also honored to go to UC Berkeley, get my education there, and then I joined uh, Teach for America for two years, and I completed my teaching program and decided to stay in the classroom, and I'm going on my uh, sixth year this year. Uh, ninth, ninth year working in public schools in Oakland. When I was at Berkeley, I, I went to Arise, and I worked there every Friday. Um, I'm also a son of Mexican immigrants, and I'm very, very passionate about educational equity for all students. Um, another aspect that I think I can bring to the table, to the school board, is that I um, have skin in the game. I'm a teacher. I'm also a product of OUSC schools, and I'm also gay, and I think we need a gay advocate also who can advocate for the LGBT community. And this is why I'm running. Thank you very much, Ms. Torres. Good evening, my name is Roseanne Torres, but most people call me Rosie, and I'm the incumbent, I'm on the school board now. And the reason I ran in 2012 was partly because I was active in the community, I'm an attorney, I have had my law firm here since 2004, and that was the year my daughter was going to begin kindergarten. And I lived in Oakland for a summer while I was in law school. And I fell in love with the diversity of the city. I lived about around Lake Merritt. So when I had a child and became a parent, I said, I will raise my child or children in Oakland, coming from Stockton. So I was a product of public school in Stockton and also Mexico, where I was raised partly. And we moved here in March, and my daughter started at Montclair Elementary, where her father lived, and then Montero, and then now she's a senior at Tech, getting ready to send out college applications. Um, myself, I was practicing law here, and I was active doing mock trial training at MetWest and Arise High School. And then I was active with the Chamber of Commerce, helping small business owners like women get better access to um, resources. And Noel Gallo said, I want you to run for my seat. And I was shocked, but I ran because as a parent, what I saw were a lot of disparities in the hills where lots of resources exist and the flats where very few resources exist. And that's what I ran on was equity. And I'm running again because I've done a lot of great things, but in four years, you cannot scratch the surface on improving public education with so many problems. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, so let me remind the audience that we do have volunteers ready to collect your questions. So just put your hand up and we'll collect the questions and we'll continue to bring those forward. Your questions are really important for these three candidates to hear from you tonight. This first question will go to Mr. Hutchison and each person will answer following him. The first question is kind of lengthy and there is a question at the end of it. So. Several aspects of education policy or funding that profoundly affect Oakland families are not directly controlled by either the Oakland Unified School District or district administrators. In particular, the following goals would each require additional California state or federal legislation or changes to existing legislation. These are the three goals. 
strengthening oversight of charter schools in terms of student outcomes and fiscal management, restoration of adult ed, including second chances or high school dropouts, which was essentially eliminated in Oakland in 2010, and public funding for universal early childhood education. So the question is, what do you think is the role of Oakland Unified School District directors in working for these goals? Well, in, in one minute, um, <laughs> these, are, these are actually getting towards some of, I think, really the important questions that we need to start asking as a community. Uh, my main frustration with our current school board, having attended nearly every school board meeting for the last five years, is they don't do enough within the constraints that they find themselves right now. We don't have a critical eye of charter schools. We don't force them to be more transparent. And actually, we charge them the lowest amount of oversight fee allowable instead of the maximum allowable. We can free up more money in our budget right now if we redirect the $80 million or so that we typically spend for outside consultants. If we redirect that back towards the classroom, we have more than enough money right now. And lastly, we spend $100,000 over, I'm sorry, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for advocacy work in Sacramento. Why don't we direct that advocacy to bring more money here? And why don't we direct them to get our debt to the state forgiven? That again would free up $6 million. I can go down the list of ways we can free up more money. It has to be will and intent on the part of the school board. Thank you. Mr. Tornado. One of the things that I think uh, we need to do as Oaklanders is really think about our city and what's best for it. And understand that some of the charter schools that are there are there and they're not going away right away. Um, we need to work to better the schools that are part of our Open Unified School District. I sit here again with my education and I'm very, very proud of being an OUSD graduate. Um, and I think we need to invest more resources into schools. I do agree with Mr. Hutchinson that we need more oversight on charters. Um, I was reading the Achieves report, and one of the things that I, I came across was that not all the data was released for the report from charter schools on suspensions or, or other, the dropout rate, and so I think that we need full transparency in order to really work together and make, and make sure that the playing field is, is, is um, even for all schools and all students, and that all students can get the resources they need. Thank you. Ms. Torres? So one of the things that I have had the pleasure of doing is not only representing the Oakland School Board, uh, school district, I'm also the vice president of California Latino School Board Association, so now I'm on state level, the vice president of an organization with hundreds of other school board members who have, in some cases, 20 years on boards sharing their knowledge with me so I could quickly make things happen here. Um, and I'm also part of the delegate committee of the California School Board Association, which I started two years ago. What we do is advocate in Sacramento for changes to the law. <coughs> Charter oversight comes down to law, and people don't always realize it's not just about money. It's about the power that this board has in Oakland and every board has in California. Our governor has vetoed every law to tighten oversight. As for adult education, we used to have $10 million in the budget. We now have $1 million. That came down to prior governors not funding it, especially Schwarzenegger. So I work with Tony Thurman and Rob Bonta to talk about legislation being passed. Thank you very much. The next question will be to Mr. Tornado. And that is, what are, the, your, what are your thoughts 
about having challenging STEAM programs in District 5 middle schools and high schools? I think that whatever uh, students in the hills or in other areas like Silicon Valley are getting, I don't want our kids in District 5, in Jingletown, in the Fruitvale to be the last ones to benefit from them. I don't want this new wave. I don't want them to be the last ones to catch on to this. So I think I worked at a STEAM school myself. I worked at a charter school that was closed down by the school district. The parents fought to keep it open. The district said no, and then they went to the Alameda County to get their charter. Um, I worked there because I believe in parent involvement, parent voice, and also the ability of parents to have choices. Um, and I would really, really prioritize um, parents being able to have also a voice in, in this process. Um, I think that it, it is really up to the parents if they want to keep a school open, and I think that if they, they have every right to keep their school open, I think that we do need to bring way more oversight to charter schools. Thank you very much. Ms. Torres. So in regard to STEAM, which I am glad to hear used the A because arts are really critical and in my last conference with CLSBA last week, we heard from some very amazing educator activists and one of them is the actor from Ugly Betty, he played the father, uh, Mr. Blana, and basically he goes all over the country because what he's learned as an actor with great training on Broadway is that 50% of the dropouts nationally are kinesthetic learners, not cognitive learners. The people is sitting in our prisons and we have 25% of the world's population of prisoners in our country, and we have 5% of the world's population. These are men who are kinesthetic learners and women in prisons. And so we have to include arts in every aspect, not after school only as an afterthought, if you have plenty of money up in Montclair and Montero. It needs to be inherent. And as for STEM, well, Fremont was the only school to get a gift from code.org of 15,000 in the whole state. This year, every student is doing programming at Fremont. So again, to me, this is another question that falls under the, the realm of will and intent on the part of our school leaders here in this district. When I went to school at McChesney, now Edna Brewer, um, we were forced in seventh grade to take either art or music, either art or shop. That was part of the core curriculum. And see, we've had this narrowing of the curriculum over the last 20 years. Um, part of it's due to the standardized tests, part of it's due to a, a, a lack of will on part of our leadership, and part of it due to us being taken over by the state. What we need is a rich, full-bodied curriculum that's gonna serve our students well. We don't need to put the newest tagline on it, STEM, STEAM, personalized learning. What we need is fully functioning schools that are going to serve all of our students. And of course it's not okay that all the devastating effects of privatization have happened below 580. But even here at McChesney, even at Montero, it's a shell of what it used to be. And what we really need to do is now that our budget is $792 million this year, we need to restore our programs that we've lost. Thank you. Ms. Torres, this question goes to you first, and that is, how can we improve special education here in the Oakland Unified School District? Well, that's a great question. So special education would actually be one of the areas that's the toughest to, uh, in some ways, I'll just use the word fix, because of the cost of special education. So 
I worked in, while I was at SF State getting my bachelor's degree, I worked for special education IEP director at SF Unified School District. And the biggest issue were the lawsuits from not getting an IEP right. And so the amount of litigation that happens in this district that I have to sit and approve in board meeting after board meeting is astonishing because I would rather put that lawsuit money and attorney's fees into the schools. And I'm an attorney, so I know all too well about attorney's fees that are statute, mandatory. Uh, the problem is we need to have consistent leadership. We just lost our special education leader and a new person just came in who I met with for Coffee Friday. Now, he's brand new, he has lots of experience, but when you shift leadership, and our superintendent has done a lot of that, you have problems, you don't have consistency, you don't have people having faith. If we can keep our teachers, we can really fix special education. Thank you. Back to Mr. Hutchison. Um, well, there's a couple of things we can do to, to fix it right off the bat. We have the CAC, which is a joint committee between families with special needs students and the district. We need to fully empower the CAC as a decision-making body. They are the experts on their own students and they're the experts on special needs across the district. But instead, the current administration and over the last four years when the incumbent's been on the school board, the CAC has actually lost a lot of its influence and power. Um, I would also argue that this school board member hired this superintendent. So if she's upset about his decision, she should take a public stance against them and maybe even publicly say that she regrets voting to hire him. One of the other things with the amount of privatization going on in their district, the charter schools skim a lot of our students off the top. So now in Oakland, we have almost one in six students identified as special needs. Another thing that we really need to look at seriously in our district is growing our district again. The only way to fix some of these problems is to grow our district and increase our student population in our public schools. Thank you. This is one of the issues that I'm particularly very, very passionate about. My sister has an IEP, she's nine years old, and she attends Lighthouse. Um, and I, as a teacher, have seen what a great individualized learning plan and IEP can do for students, and I've seen what not, being, not following an IEP can do for kids also. Um, I'm very, very passionate and, and a big proponent of also, like Mr. Hutchinson said, growing our, our public schools. I think a lot of resources have been diverted from our OUSC schools, and we, we need to continue to invest in those schools. When I was reading the Achieve Report, I also noticed that um, district schools have a higher proportion of students with learning disabilities than charter schools. And so I'm very, very passionate about how did that happen and also making sure that each student, sorry, each school has the capacity to serve each student. And I think right now, I, I don't see that at charter schools or district schools. So I think we need to work together. Thank you very much. Okay, Mr. Hutchison. Um, this question goes to you. Superintendent Antoine Wilson has made financial transparency a key part of his work plan. What ideas do you have to further that effort and how would you ensure accountability for parcel tax funds that currently have separate oversight committees with varying membership and reporting requirements? First, I, I don't think I would agree with the characterization that this superintendent has made financial transparency a priority. Um, it was under this superintendent, when we're going to talk about bond management, that Lance Jackson, an employee of SGI, was put in oversight over our Measure J funds for two years. 
He worked for the company that was managing the funds and managing the construction projects. And he charged the district $30,000 a month to provide those services. What had once been a district position, a head of facilities, was privatized and outsourced. That was done under this incumbent. And this had great implications for us here in Glenview because our Glenview Elementary School project was being constructed, put together, the whole plan, under Lance Jackson when we didn't even have a district employee running the project. And I know from some of the, uh, some of the anger of the neighbors who share a property line with the school, a lot of that could have been avoided if our district had been more transparent and if we did have more leadership, especially on this issue. Again, I attend all the Measure J meetings also. We need to fix this. Thank you. I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? Sure. Thank you. Superintendent Antoine Wilson has made financial transparency a key part of his work plan. What ideas do you have to further that effort and how would you ensure accountability for parcel tax funds that currently have separate oversight committees and with varying membership and reporting requirements? So I think one of the things that I, I will bring to the board is that I would, I would require that a lot of information uh, is reported to the board. I don't think that happens all the time. We need to really, really analyze the programs that we already have in place and are they being effective or are they not being effective? Are they a waste of resources? I think that as a board member, you it's really hard to say I'm gonna start this and I'm just gonna do it on my own right, and get everyone involved. I think that things happen gradually and one of the things that board members uh, should be asking for, requesting is more information about how that money is being spent and how those committees are being formed. I would be very, very curious to ask um, how that membership is created and who's allowed to be part of those committees and who's excluded from those committees. I think that it'll only be fair to have both, both worlds, charter and non-charter, to be there um, proportionally. I think, I think we have a lot to learn from each other. Thank you. Ms. Torres? So it's definitely the number one reason that a person gets elected to any public office, which is the management of financial resources that are public dollars. And one of the things that I've seen is we've had difficulty with people who get on these different commissions. They stay, they're supposed to stay two years. We look for people with backgrounds and expertise in finance, if they're gonna be overseeing these types of things like parcel taxes and whatnot. The reality is people get on, they move away, people get on, they get other interests, and they leave. So we are the ones who look for people ourselves as board members, and then we suggest, and then they're interviewed by the committee that's already there. The other issue is that, yes, financial transparency has gotten better because of tools that the superintendent has implemented. He hires, and then these people implement. And so there are, they're on the website now, and you can actually see the different programs and more grant scope. That's a major improvement, but do we have more work? Absolutely. One of the things I'm really proud of is our bond rating went up several notches because we did hire a consultant to get our audits done. And so we can now sell bonds again. Thank you very much. The next question is for um, Mr. Tornado. What is your opinion of the common enrollment plan proposed for Oakland Unified School District? So this is a very complex question and I'm gonna give you a complex uh, answer. I, in, in theory, I'm in support of a common enrollment application. I think I really experienced um, a lot of frustration. And not only, I, I'm not even a parent, and I experienced it with my 55 students, eighth graders who, who left Lazier 
last year. Um, a lot of them wanted to get into Midwest. Uh, I was just talking to Ms. Torres about Midwest earlier and the great things at that school. And, uh, and they didn't. They didn't get into those schools. And, and it was frustrating. A lot of students who were having a big plans of uh, being doctors and stuff are, are going to schools where I'm worried about them going there. I think a common enrollment application would really be a streamlined process for parents who don't have time. A lot of Latino parents or, or parents of any race who work two jobs and are not able to apply to this charter school, this other charter school, each charter school has their own application. And I think it's not equitable to, to be that way. Thank you. So I did not come out in favor of common enrollment, and I currently am still not in favor of common enrollment because what I did was study where it was in place, and I didn't find positive results, and I didn't feel that this was a solution to the problems that we have with regard to the charter schools versus the district schools. We know we lose our students at middle school, which is where I'm supposed to be until 8 o'clock at a forum at Monterra, and we lose them even more at high school in our district because of perceptions. And I take issue with Mr. Hutchinson's comment that our middle schools don't have great programs. Monterra is going to become an international baccalaureate program, and so that is actually the opposite of a school that doesn't have great options, and so he's incorrect. But what I can say is that the reason I don't want common enrollment is district and charter in one application is parents may not want a charter school. We can have our one application and all charters should have their one application. And teachers, people were saying that they didn't want to have to put 20 applications. One for charter and one for district is a solution, but that's not what common enrollment is. So that's why I'm against it. Thank you. So I guess to be clear, I didn't say that our middle schools don't have good programs. What I said is they don't have the same programs that were offered when I was a student at our middle schools. And that's heartbreaking. And that's not the trajectory that our city should be on. I'm very strongly against common enrollment as it was brought to Oakland by Educate 78, a privatizer organization funded by New Schools Venture Fund. Common enrollment is a company that pushes it. Innovation and Public School Choice is a company that's funded by the Waltons. This was all an effort to bring this to Oakland secretly so our enrollment system would basically be hijacked by charter schools because the only difference would mean that charter schools would be allowed into our enrollment process. And I take objection to a sitting school board member saying they're against something when they've done nothing in their capacity as a board member to stop this from happening. Common enrollment is still on the table. The school board has taken no votes and taken no action to stop it. And again, this is another effort by the privatizers led by billionaires like Walton to take over our school system. Thank you very much. Ms. Torres, this question is for you, starting with you. How will you support the, re the recruitment and retention of qualified and experienced teachers here in Oakland Public Schools? I love this question. So last year I was approached by a teacher who's been working in adult ed at Allendale, Marilyn Noble, who is in her late 80s. She's been a teacher for about 45 years. And she asked me, would you like to work on your next term or what have you on a teacher pipeline? And we had something called TTO, Teach Tomorrow Oakland. The teachers in that program stayed at a 75% rate versus leaving at a 76% rate every year, every five years. And what, that ha what happened with TTO was they worked in cohorts. Teachers got hired and they were hired one year with all other teachers and they moved in cohorts for their training. 
So what we need to do is something like that because the grant sunsetted, but what Marilyn wants to do is work with her parents who are immigrants and talk to them about asking their children, become the teachers of tomorrow because when you come from a Latino country or an Asian country, a teacher is more revered than a doctor or lawyer. So we can tap those beautiful children who will actually look like their students. That's not happening now. So I'm looking forward to implementing this program. Thank you. I love that idea as well. I agree with Ms. Torres. I think a pipeline of teachers from the community who also speak and sound like the kids and who look like the kids is very, very important. Um, I also think that there's currently not a critical mass of teachers of color in Oakland, and I think any place with a critical mass of, of people of color is, is a safe place for students automatically. Um, I think that we need to invest heavily in our partnerships with Mills College and better leverage uh, UC Berkeley and other university, universities that surround us. I also really, really think, I sat in a committee at my uh, CMO, and what we found is that a lot of teachers actually leave by their third year, um, and a lot leave because they feel like they're not receiving the support that they need in their first and second year. So I'm a big proponent of also residency programs and programs, programs that ease teachers or future teachers into classrooms so that we can better uh, keep our teachers here in Oakland. Thank you. And this is again uh, a question that is close to my heart also. Like I said before, my mom was a kindergarten teacher in Oakland for 40 years. Uh, my brother, before he went on to law school, taught in Oakland for a couple of years also. And so if you would have, you know, rewind the clock and go back 20 years to a discussion on the same topic, you would hear the same things mentioned. We need a pipeline, we don't have enough, we don't have enough. I'm, I'm tired of these excuses myself. And so what I watched the school district do last year was have 150 vacancies throughout the year for teacher positions. The number grew up to over 250 at one point. Then there were loads of first and second year teachers at the end of the last school year that got non-reelected letters. They were basically fired. Now my mother is also currently a coach in the district who helps coach new teachers. So what we could have done is instead of firing those teachers at the end of last year, we could have put them into another year of coaching. Give them another chance to see if our investment could be rewarded by having them up to speed. But instead what we did this year is we hired 60 teachers on temporary credentials instead of fully credentialed teachers. Thank you very much. The next question is, this is posed by someone in um, the audience, and the question is posed, we can all probably agree that these are two good goals, integrated diverse student bodies, and quality neighborhood schools throughout the city. Two separate goals. But there's a contradiction between these two goals. What do you think about how to resolve that? Mr. Hutchison? Um, so I'm sorry, was, was the question about a contradiction between integrated schools and equity? It's a contradiction between those two goals. Well, I, I, I strongly disagree. That's part of the problem, the way it's been framed in our city. We need to have a fully integrated city that's based on equity across the city. That's not what's happened now. And so those need to be our two goals in tandem. What we've seen happen in Oakland is 580 has become an even stricter dividing line in our city. Where all but two of our 40 plus charter schools are located below 580 in communities of color, low income communities of color. 
And we know that all the national statistics show that charter schools are leading to the resegregation of our schools again. Now, I'm old enough to remember going to school in Oakland after the desegregation cases of the early 80s. I benefited from those by being allowed to attend Skyline as an out-of-district student. But instead, what we've had now over 20 years in the guise of school choice is we've become more segregated and more and more communities don't have access to even public neighborhood schools. So again, please ask everyone running for election, especially the incumbents, ask them what they've done. Don't just trust to hear about what they plan to do. Thank you. One of the things that I'm uh, a big, big proponent of is diverse schools. I think I work at a school that's predominantly Latino, and I've also seen the impact of not having a diverse school. Um, it, it's really important that students are exposed to different viewpoints and, and people with different lifestyles and a different culture. Um, and I work at a school where currently it's 95% it's Latino. It's um, very overwhelmingly. I think that we, we can uh, work to invest uh, local parents here. Um, I agree that the 580 has become a dividing line. And I think that we need to, to really, really work to get more parents from the hills to send their kids to public schools, to district schools. Currently, a fourth of students are going to uh, private schools. And so I'm a big proponent of making sure that we that we bring in people and that we invite. I just met with uh, Mr. Uh, Aubrey at, at the Brewer, and, and I'm really, really, um, really interested in what's going on there because I think they're doing both. Thank you. So it's, uh, it's exactly why I brought my daughter to Oakland when she turned five, was the fact that in Stockton, when I grew up, my school had probably 90%, if not more, white students in Stockton. And when I stayed here for a summer, I saw so much diversity and international diversity. And having lived in Japan and lived on the East Coast, I knew that my own daughter deserved that. And, and yet, having volunteered at schools as a lawyer for mock trial, I was only working with Latino students below 580. I was only working with 100% Latinos and maybe one Asian student from Cambodia in these schools. And so the problem with regard to the white families staying in the district, it's the middle school drop-off, it's the, the high school drop-off, and that forum tonight at, middle, at Montero I think was so critical because this parcel tax G1 that's, that I as a board member fought for and we all voted on to get on the ballot is to say, let's give our middle school teachers a raise because if they don't stay, then your kids aren't getting the highest quality education. And then also the principals, so 65% for salaries, 35% of the money for programs to be increased. That's what I've done. Thank you very much. There's a number of questions about charter schools and um, they're all individual separate issues. Um, and I don't want to blend them together, so um, I just want to let you know that there's a number of questions that um, I think are deserving to be individually proposed. So Mr. Trinell, this goes to you. Um, Oakland has the highest number of charter schools. How is this imparted equity? Are we moving towards equity or are away from it? What would you, would you support yourself? More charter schools. Um, and connected to that is the question about the proliferation of charter schools in the district. And could you address, in addition, addition to the first question, would you propose or support more charter schools? Can you address uh, charters in the flatline areas? How successful have they been in improving performance? So 
So I think I'll, I'll start with the first question. I am not in support of opening uh, new charter schools. I don't think we need more schools. We're at capacity in terms of uh, school to student ratios, and I, I'm not a proponent of charter schools. I think uh, the city has used it as a band-aid for a bigger problem. Again, I, I sit here with my education, K-12, OUSC graduate, and I'm, and I'm proud of that. I think that we can educate our kids and, and prepare them for college and beyond without charter schools. Um, and I actually think that our SPED program within the district can, can be strengthened if we, if we stop opening charter schools. I'm, but I am in support of current charter schools that are serving my kids. Um, I taught at one charter school and 100% of those kids were, were got into four-year schools and most of them signed up. And so for me, outcomes matter. And equity is based on who you ask. If equity in the food bill, a parent will argue that they want choice, and that's equity for them. Thank you. Ms. Torres? So I think that it's such a complicated question and it's such a complicated answer that goes beyond one minute. And so to touch on just a couple of things, we as a city, a district of 86 public OUSD schools and 43 charter schools, but 50,000 students were over, we should have about 70 schools total. So that tells you we have too many schools. The law does not allow us as a board to put a moratorium. So one of my opponents will say he'll do a moratorium. That's not the law. The governor Brown will veto anything of that kind because he's pro-charter. So the fact of the matter is we follow the law as a board. However, where the inequity I think shows up is, is something that was already touched upon by Mr. Granado. We as a district have the special ed students. They're very expensive to educate when you have a 12 to one ratio, a six to one ratio. So that's where the inequity shows up. The district has the special ed, the charters do not. So there are so many number of issues to this question that I can't answer in one minute, but we do not need more schools. Definitely that's clear. Thank you. So I'm not a big fan of charter schools here in Oakland. Um, and I've been on the record as that for the last five years. Um, I testified at the Department of Education in Washington, D.C. in 2013 as part of the Journey for Justice National Coalition. And my testimony was about the damage that charter schools and school closures were bringing to Oakland. Unfortunately, we have the highest rate of charter schools in the state with the most charter schools. But there's a lot that we can do that we're not doing. If you look at San Leandro, they have zero charter schools. Why? If you look at San Francisco, they have less than 10. Why? If you look at Berkeley, they only have a handful of charter schools. Why? If you look at Oakland, the charter schools are only in the flatlands. Why? And the answer is because our school board has not directed our district administration to have a more critical eye on the of review their applications. We should be directing our charter school office to find their applications invalid on whatever technicality we can. We should be actively working to not allow them in our city instead of just saying, oh, there's nothing we can do. I hope it gets better. Thank you very much. So this is going to be our last question before we go to closing statements. And the last question will begin with um, Ms. Torres. No, I'm sorry, with um, yeah, Ms. Torres. Um, in Oakland, some schools are generally viewed as good or very good, and others as failing. We all want good schools for every child. What is the best way to improve underperforming schools and to assure every family 
that their child's school will meet his or her needs. So when I joined the board, I had a mentor, which was Gary Yee, who was the board member for District 4. We were each paired up as new board members. And he took me to Glenview one morning at the beginning of the school year, and he said, let me tell you that this school was a terrible, horrible school. And then a group of about seven moms in the same daycare decided, we're not gonna go private, even though we can afford it, we have the money. We're gonna go to Glenview, and we're gonna turn the school around with a strong PTA, and that's exactly what they did. They turned a failing school that wasn't esteemed by the community and that people weren't going to. And Gary had been on the board so many years, he saw that whole transition happen. Now, when I went to visit the old president of OEA at her classroom she was teaching, she said, these parents think this is the best school because of the community. So it may not have been a high-rated school in the Laurel she was at, but the parents don't know what anything else is. So the reality for me that I've learned on the school board is we can't get the money when we have 46 funding, but we can get our parents involved. That's the beauty, is if our parents were working in the schools. Thank you. I, I think that one of the things that we really need to invest in schools is really being, being honest about quality and what quality means. I work at a school where for a long time we ran with, we wanted to keep our school open and that's sort of a legacy. And now I see the parents starting to ask questions. Okay, we kept our school open, we were successful at that. What about the quality now? And what we're seeing is that on a lot of the lower grades, our kids are really, really struggling. They're struggling to read at the third grade level that I've seen that with my current seventh graders, a lot of them are coming three years behind and it's a serious, serious issue if we really, really are talking about access to college and access to universities like UC Berkeley or, or Harvard. I think that we really need to sit down and have a conversation about quality with charter schools and with district schools and we have so much to learn about about each other and from each other, and I think we should be sharing best practices in order to move the needle for all kids in Oakland. Thank you very much. Um, so I actually don't remember Glenview being that kind of school. Glenview's always been one of the best schools in Oakland. As a proud child of Crocker Highlands, I know what a good school looks like. I was lucky enough to go to Crocker. And I remember when it was time for us to move on to McChesney that my mother and a group of parents at Crocker decided to send us all to McChesney to take over that school to really improve it. That's what we did. Now, I'm not sure I've known Gary my whole life. I'm not sure if he just messed up the story and didn't realize he was referring to me and my family. But that was my personal experience. Now, unfortunately, there is no magic pill where if we swallow it the next day, everything's going to be perfect. But we need to invest in our schools, and we need to invest in the leaders that we've developed. One of the things that I would really change is how we do principal selection and choose our school leaders. Every school community should be able to weigh in on who their school leader is. And then the program should flow from that leader who will then be invested and beholden to the community that helped hire them. Instead, we have the opposite happening right now, where 25% of our principals were switched around during this summer, and we have no continuity or leadership, and that's the main thing we need to focus on. Thank you very much. And now we're going to move to closing statements. One and a half minutes for each candidate, beginning with Ms. Torres, and then Mr. Tornado, and then Mr. Hutchinson. So, as I stated, I came here to put my daughter in the public schools, and throughout the 13 years, since she's in 12th grade now, and started in kindergarten, we've had many ups and downs at Montclair, Montera, even at Tech. For two years, she didn't get her Spanish teacher at Tech because she had subs. 
and this year we're still struggling to put Spanish teachers in those classrooms, and students want and deserve Spanish. There's nothing perfect about being 46th in the country for funding. Now prior to Prop 13, we were in the top 10. So is that beyond the school board's control? I don't think some of the board, some of the candidates get that. That is beyond our control. Until we reform Prop 13, and even if we just did commercial property, we could get out of the, the misery of the bottom five, bottom four, yeah, bottom five, 46. And that's just deplorable for such a large uh, state, eighth largest economy in the, in the world. If we also look at the fact that we have a teacher shortage in the country, there was some mention of 150 vacancies. There are vacancies in every part of this country because the tech industry has made college students shift to different majors. And even our own students are graduating and declaring in East Oakland and West Oakland computer science because they know that's where they're going to get out of poverty. So there are so many issues beyond our control, but what we can do is work one thing at a time, like a teacher pipeline of our own students. And we can talk about forcing our own legislators to talk about Prop 13 reform, Tony Thurman, Rob Fonte. Little by little, we can make change in California and can get back on top. Thank you very much. Mr. Tornado. So I always think about one of my students, uh, Jacob Gonzalez. Uh, unfortunately, he, was, he passed away two years ago. Uh, he was killed, he was shot, and, and died to get violence. Um, to me, I am a big proponent of quality. I wake up every morning and I think to myself why, do, why I teach and why I do this job. As a teacher, I have learned so much. I have gained an insight that I know I can bring to the table and I can bring to the board. I think there's a big need to have a teacher on the school board, a teacher voice. Um, and I think I bring that as, an o as also an OUSD graduate, someone who really benefited from OUSD schools. Um, and, and I have so much to bring to the table and share. I would also be a huge proponent of, of, of the LGBT community and an advocate as a gay man. Um, I feel very, very passionate about the issues that this community, my community goes through. And I'm very passionate about making sure that we, we advocate for, the, for that population as well. Um, Jacob's story touched me because his mom asked me to, uh, to be a pallbearer and carry his casket. It was a powerful experience to me. Then I knew I would be a teacher for a long time and that I would work relentlessly and restlessly to move the needle for all kids. Um, he left Lighthouse, unfortunately. And, and went to Fremont and then ended up dropping out for Fremont High School. Um, so I think we felt him as a city, and I think I don't want there to be any more Jacobs. I, I'm here because I want every student to, to have an exceptional story. Thank you, Mr. Hutchinson. So again, thank you for having me here and hosting this. Um, more, more than anything else, I love Oakland. I love my city. My family has dedicated 50 years to education in Oakland. I want to say again, five years ago, I was shocked to realize that the two schools that I had invested a decade into were slated for closure. And I quickly realized that I couldn't just focus on working with those students anymore, that I had to really fight to make sure we all had access to these quality schools. I'm proud to say I have students across the country in universities having gone through my programs. I've started programs, I've taught Saturday school, I've taught and coached just about everything imaginable and had just about every job in the school besides a classroom teacher. But to me, I'm, I'm tired of the excuses that I hear going around Oakland, especially from our incumbents across the board. We have to be able to do better. 
I'm going to say that again. We have to be able to do better. So if we're not going to get more money from the state, then we have to reprioritize our budget and make it work for us here. If we want to value the community's voice, then let's really include them in our community engagement process. If you attend a school board meeting, which I do almost all of them, you will see at every meeting there is a community group there basically begging for relief from our elected leaders. It never comes. The whole orientation is wrong, and we've never rebuilt local control since the state takeover. Again, we need to be able to do so much more. I'm out of excuses. I'm proud to say that my upbringing and my experience has allowed me to come up with plans for how we can move this forward. And again, we just have to be able to do better for our city. Thank you. Thank you very much. On behalf of the League of Women Voters of Oakland, I want to thank our three candidates this evening for participating this evening here at this forum. I also want to thank the audience for coming to meet the candidates for the Oakland Unified School District 5 board and for proposing your thoughtful questions. For more information about our upcoming forums, which we have others for other offices in Oakland, and the candidates and ballot measures, please visit the league's award-winning and easy-to-use website, lwvoakland.org or votersedge.org forward slash CA. There you'll find information about candidates, ballot measures, and links to other sources of information about the upcoming election. Members of the League of Women Voters do the hands-on work to safeguard democracy. While we never endorse a candidate, we are directly involved in shaping important issues to keep our community strong. If you'd like to be involved with the men and women helping to make democracy work, it's easy to join the League. We encourage you to visit our website, Again, at lwvoakland.org. We also have a membership coordinator here this evening. You can talk with them. And visit us on Facebook to follow us on Twitter. You can look for our Easy Voter Guide. It will be inserted in the October issue of the East Bay Express. The deadline to register to vote in the November election is October 24th. If you've moved, changed your name, or wish to change your party affiliation, you do need to re-register. Online voter registration is easy and it's available at the Secretary of State's website, sos.ca.gov. And we have voter registration forms here tonight. If you anyone, like, anyone would like to register, you can do so tonight. Please stop by our table on the way out. And remember to vote by mail or go to the polls on Tuesday, November 8th. Encourage your family, your friends, and neighbors to be sure to vote. Thank you and good night.